Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. And we can go ahead and, and get started because we have a lot to go through. And first of all, I just wanted to say thank you so much, everybody, for coming to join. Of course, our wonderful speakers. These folks are really busy doing amazing things in Web3. Um, so we really, really appreciate you taking the time. And really the goal of this was to bring together different communities and share our love for generative art. I think a lot of us have caught the gen art bug, uh, some really early on like Sophia, some more recently like myself and all in between. And so, you know, really the goal was to say, look, there's so many people out here that really have a passion for generative art. Let's bring these communities together and spread that love. And so even before we started, the fact that we're all here, in my view, is accomplishing what we, you know, Jared and I set out to do. So thank you to our fantastic speakers here, their communities, and everybody who's listening and everybody who will listen later for the recording. And I wanted to say that, you know, we really quickly, like we started, my name is P. I go by Aston Cloud online. Jared is my co-host. He's Jay Paws up here with me. We started Collective Corner because we fell in, gen in love with generative art and this community. So we are just so grateful to have you here and sharing with us. And we're also really excited because it seems like in recent weeks, months, even days, more and more people are getting interested in gen generative art and NFT art more broadly. So we wanted to like really quickly, I wanted to highlight some of the folks up here who really are leaders in Web3, give you a bit of their background. Um, for the sake of time, I'll just go ahead and introduce folks. And I, I dug a bit into y'all's background, so uh, had fun kind of seeing what you've all been up to. And then we can go ahead and get started because we have eight categories and we want to hear from folks. A lot of uh, our speakers here have to jump at the hour, um, but I will stick around J-Paws, I think uh, we'll be able to stick around as well for, you know, maybe we can have some people come up or just chat about other things that, other art that, you know, you've uh, want to highlight and bring up. And we, last thing I'll say before introducing our guests is that we did a 2022 award show on December 30th. And what was so fun about it is like, there's no wrong answers here. It's just, what do you think? And reminding each other some of the great art that we've experienced, remembering that there's so much fantastic work out there and this community is growing and bringing a lot of positivity with it. So no wrong answers, no pressure. This is meant to be fun. And I'm excited to hear what you all think of in terms of your predictions for 2023. So let me go ahead and introduce everybody. First off, Seth Goldstein. Seth is a longtime tech entrepreneur. He, I look back at your LinkedIn, Seth. It's crazy impressive. You have Web1, Web2, Web3. Um, founded multiple companies, great exits, and is the, known in our space as the founder of Bright Moments. So, and, and congratulations, by the way, on the new Artblocks collaboration. Really excited for that and the development tomorrow. Thank you. Thank so, you. That is Seth. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Of course. Thank you so much for coming. Um, then we have Chris Cantino, who's Cantino up here with the awesome CryptoPunk. He's the founder of Crypto Packaged Goods and has a, an amazing background in consumer packaged goods in that whole world and is really doing innovative stuff, uh, combining the two spaces, Web3 with the consumer packaged goods. So thank you, Chris, for joining us. 
We have Cypher, who is the founder of GMDAO, which is a, a really amazing uh, generative art platform that has done a lot of cool, innovative stuff and has brought on fantastic artists and work. They actually have a release coming up this weekend called Balagan by Safir, Safir Cohen. I'm sorry if I mispronounced their name. I think they're in the audience as well. So um, awesome work coming out of there. Thank you, Cypher, for joining. We have Sophia Garcia. We recently had an episode with her on our podcast. She's the founder of Artex Code. She's also part of the ArtBlocks uh, curatorial board and the founder of Code Art, which uh, helps uh, helps girls uh, get and, and women get into coding. And uh, she's just an OG as well in the space. So definitely go back and listen to our episode on her, not because of us, but because of her. Honestly, you, you'll enjoy it. And a lot of people have gone back listening to it recently. Then we have Bonafide Han, who is the founder of DECA, an amazing online social experience gallery that's really pushing the boundaries of Web3 art. And he's also an amazing collector who uh, some of you may know as having a very early conviction on Fidenza and incomplete controls. Really a, a brilliant builder as well. We have Grant Yoon up here, who is one of the top all-time selling super rare artists and who's really just a, a star in the NFT art scene, also a fan of generative art. He's also a medical student and also an amazing dancer. Um, the only thing he's probably not good at is sleeping, is my guess, given everything that he gets done. Uh, but thank you so much for coming, Grant. We have up here also James Merrill, who released the Artblocks curated masterpiece called Ori, which is an amazing project. James is also an awesome guy. We got to meet him in Marfa. And really, really thankful to have him up here bringing another artist's perspective. And finally, I mentioned Jay Paws. Jay Paws is uh, the founder of the 8NAP Digital Asset Fund, as well as my co-host here on Collector's Corner. I know that was long, a bit of a mouthful, but I really wanted to highlight our guests, thank them again, and really let you all know about them so you can go look them up, look at what they're doing. And, uh, you know, there's just amazing work going on. So please definitely check them out. So big mouthful, let me tell you what the categories are. And then we, you know, I'll just kind of ask you all to, to give your answers. So really quickly, we have eight categories. So we're trying to predict what's going to happen by the end of 2023 in the generative art world. The categories are the most expected trend, the least expected trend. What's something that's a big deal now that you think won't be by the end of the year? What do you think will be the most improved launch platform? Uh, just some context for that. So that could be art blocks, generative art, GM Studio, FX Hash, Manifold, whatever you want. Bright moments, of course. Um, then there's the category of breakout genre. Uh, then comeback collection. So collection that maybe has been a little bit forgotten, but resurges. Then breakout artists. And finally, artist of the year. So I will just, I'll just go ahead and uh, why don't, James, why don't we start with you with the most expected trend? What is your prediction? Yeah, I try to pick something that I know for certain is going to happen and uh, you can kind of see it happening now and that's smaller collection sizes. So I think we've seen a shift, especially on art blocks curated to smaller and smaller sizes. And it seems like it's been really healthy um, to, to do that. And I think it's, very uh it's kind of a challenge for for myself personally because i always you know want to build a big collection and make it really robust and when you're reducing the size i feel like it offers different opportunities and challenges so i look forward to seeing how people work with that 
as I see us continuing to trend further down into a couple hundred mints, et cetera, for releases. Amazing. Yeah, Cypher, what, what are yeah. your thoughts on the most expected? I was, I was glad I didn't go first because that, that was my original answer to that question. Um, but I did come up with a backup just in case. And it's, I think it's also pretty expected by most people. But I think the, the discrepancy between pricing, or not necessarily pricing, but how, how we value an artist's work cross-chain, so specifically with Tezos and Ethereum, I think that discrepancy and that gap is going to close. So I think it already has closed to a certain extent. But essentially, I think that an artist's work on Tezos will be as valuable as their work on, on Ethereum. So I guess I'll piggyback from uh, James because I do agree fully on like the smaller curation um, side. And it's something that I've, I've always really loved. So I'm happy to see that, that shift. Um, but another side of it, I think, is also just the implementation of, of new methods of payment. So I'm kind of decoupling the, the, um, the acquisitions, like, aspect of it in just crypto and actually accepting um fiat so we just saw that shift now with fx hash um and they that, like accepting uh, credit card payments which i think is a massive like massively amazing uh, uh step like yeah step in the right direction so hoping to see more of that this year and i know uh it was brought up during a panel that I did with uh, Snowfro during NFT NYC last year, and he said the same thing. You know that it would it would be really nice to see the value of the artwork kind of decoupled from the speculative nature of the crypto uh, currency that you know from the chain that it's on. So um, hopefully we see more of that this year, and I'm 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 expecting that to be the case. Seth, would you like to go next? Absolutely. Yeah. This is the most expected trend. Yes, correct. Um. It seems like the most expected trend is in general AI art. Um, I think obviously, you know, there's AI art that comes to most of our mind, which is like OG AI art from the likes of um, Helena Saren and Claire Silver and Sophia Crespo and and Robbie Barrett and and Pindar and Mario Klingemann. Um, but because of the Obviously, the popularization of AI in the last, you know, six to nine months with Dolly, with ChatGPT, with Stable Diffusion and Midjourney, it's kind of taken on a life of its own in the popular imagination, you know, way beyond the generative art community and way beyond the NFT crypto art community. So I think everybody expects AI art to um, have a really big year. Um and I think that you know the, the the popular imagination of um, and consumption of these AI tools are being pushed by the likes of you know Microsoft and and, and Facebook and, and Google is is going to carry a lot of the the higher end art in its wake. Um, so that's what I'm expecting. Fantastic! I, lo I love that response and yours as well, Sophia. Grant, what do you think is the most expected trend? Yeah, I think everything I had to say um, has already been said, but no, I, I do agree that I feel as though, and this might be just because I'm a little tunnel visioned right now because I'm so balls deep into FX hash and looking at all the projects, but I do think there is still a certain like demographic of people who hasn't really fully explored FX hash and don't appreciate the art on there just because of the chain that it's on. And I think 
I myself was one of those people last year. And just slowly over time, I've noticed a lot of people that I respect in this space and just my friends personally have slowly been open to the idea of what this platform is. And then slowly they like realize that all their favorite artists on ETH happen to be on Fez. And I think um, just over time, I think there will be a point where people respect the art on Fez a lot more than they do today. Yeah, I, I love that. And uh, that was actually my tweet thread, the the runner up that, that this will continue to happen. So I love that you're collecting there and as an artist, uh, sort of bringing that perspective to it. Cantino, what, what did you have for most expected trend? Yeah, mine's a little more on the um, how works are sold to consumers. So I think, you know, we've seen the rise of Manifold recently, artists kind of setting up their own merchant storefronts or marketplaces to sell their works, you know, affords them, you know, a high degree of control. It allows them to control every lever, every, you know, when something closes, when it opens, who's eligible. And, you know, it allows creators that have no reputation or network to speak of to go direct, you know, and kind of make a name for themselves without needing the art blocks or, you know, the curators of the world to do so. And I think those tools are only going to get more sophisticated and more empowering for artists. Um, think of Manifold as like the Shopify of, you know, of NFTs, just kind of anyone can become an entrepreneur, monetize. Um, and then on the most advanced side of that, you probably have like a, like a Tyler Hobbs QQL where you have this huge project that's super intensive, um, has a lot of high demands, um, but you can build this bespoke marketplace around it. And that was probably one of the coolest things that I saw in uh, Generate this year. And I think a lot more artists are going to start trending that direction. Love it. That's such a great response. And I, and I agree with that uh, trend for sure. Uh, Bonafide Han, what do you have for most expected? Yeah, so uh, I think the, the most expected trend that that I was thinking of was um, uh, consider the the room that we're in and all the people and fans that are in this room kind of advocating for the space, uh, the the continued rise of all of us, the digital curators, I think is one of the most expected trends that, that I think will continue uh, with, the, with the proliferation of so much of the art here. Uh, a lot of the the important things will be uh, each of the fans and the and each person that loves a specific collection, they'll they'll curate it, and it'll be one of the ways that people discover uh, what is important, what is what strikes them. Um, so I think it's the continued rise of this kind of activity that we're all doing. Amazing, amazing! I love that. I love that response as well. Oh, this is so fun. Uh, it, I, I will go and then uh, – oh, actually, go ahead, J-Pause. What, what do you have for most expected? Well, mine was the, the USD-denominated buys uh, integrating into our space and, and tracking that way. But I'll, I'll try to bring up something that hasn't been discussed, and it's plottables. I've just sat in so many spaces and heard the, the absolute fanaticism around plottables, being able to print your own art, and looking forward to the technology progressing. So – Audibles is something that I really feel is is 
going to to make an entrance into the into the space. I love it. Fantastic response. Somehow nobody said mine, so I will go next. And mine was an animated uh, slash motion art. We'll have a huge year from things like Terraforms, uh, Chimera by MP Cause has started to see some more love, which is amazing. Uh, Implications by Ixnay, okay. I think that our screen technology will rapidly improve and uh, we will be seeing more of this. So that is what I had as my most expected. Then I'm gonna throw it over to Jay Paws to lead us through least expected. Yeah, so for the, on the opposite end of this spectrum, most expected would be least expected trend. So what is it that maybe especially based on everybody's expertise, what are you seeing that maybe others don't see? Like, you know, one of the things that I always loved about uh, a few people I admire most is their ability to partner with people who can, you know, quote unquote, look around corners. So what is it that you're seeing in uh, look around corners um, in the interest of giving people, different people um, uh, a chance? Let's start off with uh, Grant. How are you looking? Um. To be completely honest with you, I don't think I have a response for this question. <laughs> and that is the perfect response no. sometimes, right? I love that. What about uh, oh, Sophia? You went off mute. How are you? Yeah, um, I'm good. And um, Grant, I, mean, I that's usually my my response when I get asked that question. <laughs> so I fully feel you on that. Uh, something that I've just been picking up on on the different conversations that um, I've been having uh, just across the board is just this big interest now. I think um, more, you guys mentioned this in terms of like uh, the gen art and fashion, but another side of this is really like um, design objects and. Um, just like the physical side of this. So think, um, you know, homeware like vases and uh, rugs and tapestry, whatever it may be. Um, I think that we're going to start seeing a lot more uh, collaborations in this in this sense and really working with like top artisans to to create them, but, you know, through these generative systems. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to see I think, more luxury brands getting into this um, and, and, you know, kind of with open arms, which is great. I mean, we saw, I think it was Acne Studios collaborating with Robbie Barrett just a few years ago. So um, yeah, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of that, uh, but again, more on like the physical side of things. No, I, I love that response. It's something that I'm tracking pretty closely, having been a collector of many physical things uh, and having a better way to store it. I think it's, it's a no-brainer. Um, and, and let me just say, Sorry, what one quick thing. Sorry to interrupt, uh, Grant. I this was actually the hardest question, and I struggled with it. So I brought some extra responses that I'll I'll throw out there. Uh, just just one thing I'll throw as an extra is um, least expect a trend. I have no idea if this will happen, but I have a feeling that traditional galleries are might try to start creating their own Web three experiences and and maybe directly sell NFTs on their own platforms. I don't know if it'll work. Don't know if it'll happen, but it was one that I that I thought might. Uh, I'm sorry, Jay. Pause. It's all good, dude. This is an exciting one. It's it's definitely, um, I, I will say, uh, that's definitely happening. Um, I've spoken to a few people who I think are trying to bring more of a traditional art world take on generative on the generative art side. I'm not entirely sure if they're of like kind of copy-pasting what is happening in the traditional art world is going to work with our space, especially when it comes to exclusivity and things of that sort. But um, I know there are people that are trying, so we sh- only time will tell. 
Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I've had a couple combos about that too. Cipher, what are, what are you thinking for looking around corners for least expected trend this year? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. This was the question that I struggled with the most as well. And to be honest, it, my answer is not based on any sort of conversations or, or it's just really guesswork, which I think is the same for, for most people. But um, it, it ties in a little bit to what was said in the most expected trend, which is around how collection sizes are getting smaller. And I think I think that does do a disservice sometimes to to the algorithms that the artists are able to produce, because it means that we don't see the full potential of of the algorithms themselves, because there are so few mints. So I think we'll see. I, I've kind of coined the term addressable art, which essentially means art that can be updated or re-rendered. Um, so similar to, to QQL, where you where the the artist essentially handed the keys of the algorithm to the to the collector. Um, I think we'll see similar things where we'll have much smaller editions, but the collectors will be able to to re-render those pieces kind of an infinite number of times to really express the full potential of the algorithm. Yeah, that's a, that dynamic is, is really, I think going to change the, I'll call it the trajectory of some, some projects and especially community building over the long term. It will be interesting to see how that, how that progresses keeping in, in kind of in line with maybe people at the forefront of this, uh, Seth, do you, what are you thinking for what might be the least expected trend? Um, I mean, I think a couple of people, you know, picked up on um, QQL, you know, Tyler's work. And I think what's interesting here is it's, it's not over. Um, and it's going, and the way that it seems like it's evolving, um, it's no longer, I mean, I think there was a sense in the last couple of years that, you know, it's either physical or digital, you know, and, you know, you mint something online and it comes with a print or you, you know, you, you buy a painting and it, and it comes with some kind of NFT certificate, but it was kind of thought, like online and offline or physical and digital were thought of as like binary. And I think what we're seeing that I, I don't think is expected um, is I think exemplified in what uh, Tyler is doing with Pace um, Gallery, which is, you know, sort of super high end, um, um, you know, legendary traditional art gallery, you know, here in, in New York um, at the end of March, um, there will be a very traditional painting show and there will be 12 four by five foot paintings um, that Tyler is painting slash producing with the help of some amazing painting robot, you know, factory technology in Brooklyn that will essentially, um, you know, he will be choosing 12 seeds um, that he has um, output, you know, from his own algorithm, he will mint them and then he will paint them. And those paintings will be on display, um, you know, in New York City, uh, in a very typical gallery opening. And so when you look at those paintings, like, are they NFTs? Are they paintings? Are they physical? Are they digital? Like, yes, 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 yes. It's not as easy because, in a, you know, again, this came from a, a a Dutch auction mint pass dynamic that, you know, Tyler developed with Dandelion um, that then, you know, of which I guess under, you know, probably 150 or so of, of, of the of the thousand mint passes um, have been minted. 
And then this idea that, you know, Tyler, who has designed the algorithm, is also now going to take on this additional role as the quote-unquote parametric artist to curate outputs from his own algorithm and then in turn produce them, manufacture them, paint them, and put them on display. Um, to me, that's super interesting. It's hard to expect this kind of stuff, but I think more and more there'll be some really interesting um, blending between on and offline in in very non-traditional ways. Yeah, that that's really interesting to for QQL in particular to like give it to the masses and then curate some of your own outputs. I, I was really fascinated with a, a dynamic that Grailers did with a uh, Impasto and MJ Landau when there were some pre-curated pieces. I, I think it's a it's a really great and fine-tuned approach to allowing uh, maybe the the artist's perspective to to really have a resonance and, and presence in the final output, which is, is a cool cool like a twist on on what we know as generative art. I'd add one more just yeah, like unexpected turn is um I think this, I don't know if it's a trend, but I think with um, with what Sandcan did with Landscape with Carbon Capture on, on Verse, with an open edition of generative art, um, that um, kind of, I guess, you know, similar to friendship bracelets um, that uh, Alexi and, and Snowfro did on Artblocks, this, this idea of sort of, you know, collections that aren't capped at a thousand uh, you know, usually Bright Moments does editions of 100 uh, outputs, you know, shorter form, long form <laughs> generative projects. But I hadn't really expected some of these open-ended generative art editions. Uh, um, and so maybe that's something around the corner. And it's a really interesting to balance trying to find that algorithm that allows you to have unlimited outputs. Yeah, I mean, same thing. This is a perfect transition because um, I've, I've always liked the DECA, the, the DECAGON. Bonafide, you got anything for for uh, least expected? Uh -huh. that, uh, I was actually going to talk about that. <laughs> so this is perfect. So um, so the this was a tough question, but then um, the one that I got to was, I think, okay, I'm not sure if it's least expected, but I think it's it's the most interesting. It's one of the most interesting. Um, I think there's going to be, in 2023, a deep exploration of what I call like living art. Um, things that, that if you think about uh, the medium, uh, the, the art that, that pushes the boundaries of the medium is one of the most interesting things uh that occurs in in each kind of uh in each period i think in 2022 we saw the rise of uh uh like a cr living crypto art and here's some examples um i think gazers is one of them uh right click share is another uh terraforms uh math castles uh, terraforms and uh, decagons these are all what I what I label as living art, things that um, that requires the the interaction by the community, the the belief by the community in in order for the art to exist. Um, both right click share and terraforms have this property that 
if the community and the owners do not interact with the art, then they will disappear. For right-click share, that's on a one-year time frame. Uh, and then for Terraforms, I believe uh, it's uh, the the hypercastle uh, collapses, and I think every in in ten years, if no single one has been terraformed, I believe um, I, I could I could be remembering that incorrectly. Um, and then, uh, of course, Gazers uh, intended to be a project that you know goes out into the centuries, and uh, the Decagon, which evolves with um, all the inner uh, every single time you want to see the art evolve, you you essentially feed at points, right? And so all of these examples are it's art that would not exist were it not to were it not created in the the medium of crypto. And so I think in 2023, uh, I think we're gonna see a beautiful exploration. Uh, a deep exploration of this kind of art that um, that is many of these things are not entirely at first gaze um, or immediately visually arresting or interesting or, or beautiful, right? That, that you canonically term as a beautiful thing. But then if you, if you, if you look into it, it becomes this, this incredibly interesting experiment of both uh what is it what what are the concepts and axioms of crypto and um and the creativity that you can create inside of it so i think this was my my own if not the least expected but the most uh interesting trend that could happen in 2023 yeah totally i think community engagement and dynamic art is gonna is gonna be something interesting uh to see how that evolves Speaking of an artist, uh, art, James, what would be your perspective on this from an artist's perspective? Yeah, I wrote down two things. So uh, piggybacking off of, you know, what I said for most expected and what others called out to the smaller collection sizes, I think least expected could be if I like min-max that and I imagine a collection of like a five of five or or 10 maybe, um, an artist really targeting this very, very small amount of uh, individual pieces that are really dynamic and different from one another. So imagine a generative art project that is a collection of 10 and every mint feels like a one of one in a sense. It's so different from the others. Um, I don't know if that'll happen, but as an artist, I think that's really an interesting way to think about it. It's the the opposite of like, you know, your thousand pieces. Um, it could lead to some really interesting results. And then the second one I called out, and this might just be because I'm a little salty at Twitter right now for some recent drama, but a really good social network for artists and collectors that I think DECA kind of accomplishes a lot of this, um, but something that really crops up for the art we love in a way that we're able to like interact with a high quality, maybe live view of it and a social element that is really seamless that I'm kind of missing right now with just like Discord and Twitter, that sort of thing. Awesome. Uh, I believe the last of the panelists is Cantino. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of echo what Sophia said. I think the, you know, physical counterparts to digital artworks coming to life in unexpected ways. My background's in CPG and, you know, I can tell you there's a lot of interest in everything from 
you know, kitchen appliances to automobiles and um, to, of course, like just straight up artwork, tapestries, wovens. Um, I think Alban Art's doing a great job. I am looking at my Jen Stark Mandala, which is a you know, representation of the Vortex series. Um, it's like dichroic glass. It like really kind of highlights the best parts of that collection and brings it to life. Um, I think that's really important for those kind of physical and digital intersections is that like if they they need to um, be so closely tied in sort of like a storytelling perspective that if you were to decouple them, it would become less valuable. So, um, you know, keeping on to both the physical and the digital, I think is super important. And this is um, something that's also kind of personal to us because next month we're at NFT Paris, we're going to be uh, launching our first in a series of collections that are partnerships with uh, luxury retailers, uh, well-regarded generative artists, and consumer brands. That's awesome. Can't wait to hear more about that. Um, for me, I was using the physical also. I, I love what 9DCC has done with uh, integrating generative art and Snowfro into a shirt. Full disclosure, I own a bunch of them uh, just because I love collecting. And that's kind of where I was going too. AP, do you want to do yours and then let's bring up uh, a couple more topics that will be less uh, prophetic? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for bearing with this question, everybody. This this was a tough one and I, I appreciate it. And I love the responses. Um, my response for least expected trend was the financialization of art NFTs. So something really interesting that many folks might not know, but the fourth largest holder as of a couple of days ago of friendship bracelets was the NFT Phi lending contract. And it seems like this is sort of accelerating. We see things like Ben Dow, et cetera. But what I've noticed also is over the last few months in these lending protocols, you're seeing more art on there. And I think that this will continue. It's not generative art specific, but you do see a ton of gen art on there. So that's my pick for least expected trend. And uh, just wanted to say, I love everybody's trends here. Uh, re really excited to see how these play out. And, and maybe we'll, we'll check at the end of the year to see um, see what came true and, and what didn't or what moved along faster or slower. But with that, let's move on to the next category. Uh, in the interest of time, we're going to skip ahead to breakout genre or style. And uh, this time, I would love to start with you, Cantino. What is your pick for breakout genre or style? Yeah, I, th the obvious answer is just AI, right? <laughs> like, you can't, we can't escape it. I think we just see it everywhere, and it's just the beginning. So just keeping it short and sweet, it's got to be AI. Awesome. Yeah, to totally agree with that. Uh, Cypher, what do you think for breakout genre or style? Um, well, I mean, I think my answer is gonna, probably going to give away who my artist of the year is, but it's it's a uh, it's a style called ray hatching. So if if yeah, it's it's basically from from what I've understood, it's where you create art using a single uninterrupted line, and so uh, yeah, it's it, when you see it, it basically looks like stuff that's been sketched on paper. It's very plottable, so it kind of falls within the plottable style, I suppose. But it's a very unique take on on plottables, and so yeah. <laughs> if you know if you know what it is, you probably know who my artist of the year is. So I won't go into too much detail there, but I think it's going to be Ray Hatching. Fantastic, fantastic! I love that. Uh, Sophia, what do you have for breakout genre style? 
Well, I think, um, I guess more technique and it goes back into, I think, what, what Han was saying earlier, which is more of the, the use of meaningful data um, in, in the artwork. And so, uh, like, I guess, similar to Love by Martin Grasser, like using real-time data to produce the work, same thing with um, uh, grazers and things of that sort, um, and, and Corey Haber's project. So I think we'll be seeing a lot more of that, and I, I'm hoping to see a lot more of that and, and execute it in, in really cool ways. So um, I'll be... I've been keeping my eye out. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I have been obsessed with the love collection, as, as you may know, Sophia, recently. This is such a cool collection that I, I won't go into it, but um, really fantastic. I, I love that pick. Uh, Seth, what do you think for the breakout genre style? And, and if you say in real life minting experiences, I won't hold it against you. No, I um I think there's a there's a couple that are really interesting trends. I mean, one of which is um, just kind of like a return to painting. Like I'm noticing more and more um, interesting projects and algorithms and and just artists that are um, trying to kind of one up each other to make you know generative art projects that that look more and more like traditional paintings, like with paint like looking like it's dripping, like the kind of like somehow simulating algorithmically you know these this sort of very physical um substances of paint and acrylics and 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 gravity and and density and texture so um you know their artist like william mappin um who's exploring this in lars wander and um and uh, a lot of the outputs that uh michael mp cause is working on for his upcoming project with us it's sort of it's it's just interesting to see that, you know, it, it's not, you know, with generative art, you're not seeing the algorithms trying to create like more and more things that look like the metaverse. You're seeing them, you know, using these tools and, and technologies and, and programs to create things that look more and more like paintings. So I think that's a really interesting um, genre and style. And the other one is um, just, I think in general, um, you know, I think a lot of people mentioned it, just kind of interactivity. Um, and whether it's dynamic NFTs along the lines of, um, you know, um, uh, Martin Grasser or um, um, uh, or gazers or, um, you know, just NFTs that um, are alive and um, are uh, reacting to, you know, the real world through different oracles. And that can be, you know, I guess familiars. You know, we even did it with the crypto Mexos that, you know, turn into skeletons at, you know, midnight Mexico time every night, you know, on chain. Um, and that's one form of interactivity. And the other is is um, kind of what we saw with um, QQL is just the, the collector um, and the curator, you know, having an artistic, you know, footprint uh, by um, triggering their own mints or, or, or being a parametric artist. Um, FX hash is coming out with FX hash params that I think will make a lot of these tools for uh, interactivity um, more available to artists without having to write their own you know, code stack like QQL did with Dandelion. Yeah, one, I, one thing I kind of wanted to to shout out, and it's sorry, it's like just been like on my mind for a while, and I figure since we have like a whole crew of people here, it's worth um, shouting out that um, before we had QQL, we actually there was this company called Gasp Gallery um, that uh, you know uh, Neil uh, Shiv Dasani, who's at least a project that Art Blocks had created with his um, some people at uh, 
MailChimp, where I believe he used to work, but um, highlighted uh, Chettle Golid, uh, Aaron Penne, and Debbie uh, Parikh, who just all put up their algorithms and allowed um, people to go in, change up the parameters, create their own output and get a print of it. Um, so uh, that was in 2019, way before, um, I guess, this whole entire uh, movement. But I kind of just wanted to highlight that. Uh, you can They're still on Twitter, Gasp Gallery. Uh, they're not active anymore, but I think it's worth uh, just shouting that out and, and letting people know that that, that exists um, or existed uh, just because it's, it's you know, just want to make sure people know about it since we're all so excited about like what QQL is doing. Um, they were really ahead of their time and had to close down uh, just because it was really misunderstood at the time. So just wanted to throw that in there as we're looking towards the future, not to, you know, um, forget about the past. <laughs> and just to jump in as well. I mean, that that's, I didn't know about that. So that's really cool to hear. Um, but there's also something in between that and, and QQL, which is, which is block art which I think is probably most comparable to what FX Ash is trying to do with params, where essentially an artist could upload their algorithm to the website and the, the collectors could then go and adjust certain parameters of the, of the, the algorithm to create their own unique outputs. So there are, yeah, there are ones that were preceding these collections. So credit where credit's true, due for sure. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing. I did not know about Gas Gallery or block art. So this is wonderful to know. And uh, just Seth, to touch on your point, uh, Harvey Rayner talked about this trend towards sort of more painting like generative art. He calls it traditional realism. And I think that's a fantastic point you make on there, as well as the interactivity. There's so many examples of that. So thank you for bringing those up. And we'll, we'll sure, be sure to link to those afterwards when we tweet this out. Um, Grant, what do you have for your breakout genre or style? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> sorry, I think, um, Seth covered most of what I was going to say about how generative artists now are, um, I don't know if it's like they like acquired the skill or like they're just pushing the boundaries or whatever, but they're seeing some artists like because like you mentioned, Mopan, um, Nat Sarkeesian, and Harvey, of course, um, seeing how they can push the boundaries of what code is to create like almost a like a layer of depth in each of their canvases i think is really inspiring as an artist because oftentimes it's really difficult to be able to create a composition that not only kind of gives you like a layer of like um depth but like also like gives you a layer of like texture um and i think this is something that like i've seen in Honestly, like, I don't know how to code personally, but it's just really impressive and inspiring to watch these artists be able to create these compositions. And I think also collectors appreciate this as well. And, and people who just generally like art and, you know, overall, um, the concept of code being able to imitate how a, a realistic painting looks and then being able to mint something randomized uh, so that you can get an individualized kind of unique composition um, for yourself. I think all of that combined um, is really going to shape how um, art is created on the blockchain. That that's fantastic, and I love hearing that artist perspective. And you know, I have no idea how hard it is. It looks extremely hard to me, but it's. Uh, I'm sure, Grant, you really understand the nuances. And I do love how much innovation is happening in the way that we are generating images. It's it's fantastic, and I have some thoughts for this after, but I will I will uh, hold them. And for now, let's move on to uh, Bonafide Pond. What do you think for breakout genre or style? Uh, not 
Not uh, too much to add here, but uh, I think I'll also, I, I think one person said AI art. That that was really, I think, uh, came out of the left field with uh, Dolly. It it just changes everything. You did not expect that uh, these like, you know, large language models to essentially enable or capture uh, the the creativity, the bottle up the creativity of the human. Um, well, not the creativity, but the, the visual capability to produce um, these things, uh, I did not expect it that we're that close. And so um, to keep it short, it was for me, AI. Fantastic, fantastic. I love that too. Need to get my hands on um, Dolly. Haven't been able to yet. They haven't taken me off the, the wait list yet. <laughs> Hopefully some of you are all off it. James, what do you have for breakout genre or style? P, you just got to pull a do you know who I am with uh, with OpenAI there, dude. Um, actually, I would love to use AI for in the final stages of any generative algorithm. It's kind of like 100 knobs you're tuning to like dial in your little engine so you get the best results. And you're doing that manually, right? Like there's definitely an application of AI and generative art, specifically when it comes to the tweaking of all your like probabilistic randomness. So that wasn't my answer, but like, oh, that's what you guys are saying. I think that, you know, that could certainly be a game changer and a breakout. What I was just going to add is kind of to piggyback off of what many others have said, but instead of just pure randomness driving algorithms, um, using data of some sort. So we kind of went over that, but I would just call out that data can come from things like uh, cameras and microphones. And there are some artists out there now who are thinking deeply about how to integrate live you know motion people interacting with generative art and doing really interesting things and i could imagine that being just a whole new dimension to this game oh that's a great point i hadn't even thought of it from that standpoint love the creative thoughts on integrating data and, and potentially the different ways to use ai wonderful so uh both jared and i i will tell you our picks in the interest of time we both picked plottables as the breakout genre or style uh you know ai is probably going to mix with these and you can mix all of them right you could get data that comes into what ends up being plotted etc uh, but we've been just hearing a ton about that we know james you're a huge fan of plottables and, and we keep hearing about it so that i think is uh, uh that's our pick and uh, also in the interest of time I know some of our guests have to leave at the hour. So what we'll do is we're going to hit the last two categories. So for each person, if you could tell us both your breakout artist pick and your artist of the year pick, if you have a couple for each, that's fine too. And then um, we'll circle back to comeback collection for whoever can stick around. And uh, I'm going to start with you, Grant, because I know that you have to, or one of the folks have to run at the hour. What do you have for a breakout and then artist of the year? Yeah. Um, so for artists of the year, are you referring to this year or like artists from last year? Who, who you think will be the artist of the year by the end of 2023? Who's your prediction? Okay. Yeah. So my breakout artist for this year is Matt Sarkisian. S-A-R-K-I-S-S-I-A-N. He, um, he mostly drops on FX Hash and he said he'd be open one day to go on ETH, but I think his compositions are like second to none in my personal opinion um outside of it being generative like even if he like took the time to do it with like a paintbrush i think it's still he creates like amazing very immersive compositions um and then in terms of artist of the year i think mp cause um to me without a doubt 
Amazing, amazing. And uh, Nat recently had a launch on FX Hash Eucalyptus and Sagebrush, which was beautiful and extremely popular. I love those picks. This is one of my favorite categories because we get to hear from folks of all, about all sorts of different artists. Uh, so, Seth, how about you go next? Because I believe you're going to have to run at the hour as well. What do you have for a breakout? I have to run and like, it, it's literally embarrassing that I have the same two. But I'm I'm a lot more self-interested than Grant um, because we're actually going to be uh, – we're having Nat's sarcastic – I don't know if we announced it yet, so it's some alpha, but we're going to have Nat's um, first ETH show uh, in Venice um, in a few weeks. Um, I think it's the February 16th. Um, on Thursday, wow. live show, yeah, of a hundred. Let's go outputs um, on our Art Blocks contract. So we are huge fans of Nat and Adam and others from from Tender. Really, kind of opened our eyes when we did the FX Hash Peter Pasma uh, drop um, a few months ago. And Nat lives in uh, California, and he's kind of like the American Zancan. He makes these beautiful landscapes that are just super painterly and, 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 and beautiful and somewhere between like, you know, garden monoliths and, and meridians. Um, so really excited about that. Um, artist of the year. I hope it's MP cause. I think it will be, um, you know, he is the subject of our first collab with art blocks called, um, Met Metropolis. And, um, you know, he is, um, he's an, you know, he is uh, an incredible student of generative art and, and to see his evolution from at least in terms of the on-chain stuff from, um, you know, Chimera to Parnassus, which he did with us in Berlin to tectonics. Um, it just feels like he's absorbing so much of what is good in generative art and incorporating it into his practice. And, um, with Metropolis, we're going to be traveling. Uh, there'll be, um, I can't, I guess I can't describe the mechanics quite yet, but there'll be a really interesting IRL component across all of our five locations in LA and New York and Berlin, London, and Mexico City, uh, where you will be able to bring one of your online mints physically or virtually to mint kind of a second diptych that will use the same hash that'll be tied to that trait from that city. Um, so we're really excited about um, Michael's worth work. And I think it, also just artists of the year, I'm just really excited about Emily G and everything she's done and how, how her work has evolved um, and how confident since um, Memories of She Lin and Offscript. And I don't know exactly what she has planned for this year or if she can take some well-deserved time off, but I think her work is extraordinary and, and, and she's really um, just one of my favorite artists in the space. Oh, that's amazing. And, and for folks who may not know, or I'm going to ask you, Seth, is that going to be the first collection the one with nat in the new art blocks uh collaboration that you all are doing bright no so the MP mp cause is going to be the art blocks collab um and and that'll be um the online drop will be um uh, later in february uh nat's show will be um his first um drop on art blocks um as a platform using uh flex engine on our moments contract so it won't be through the Art Blocks collab, but it'll be like uh, similar that what we're doing with Harvey Rayner uh, here in New York tomorrow or 100 print or incomplete control, sort of small, or what we did with um, um, with Rituals. I saw that Aaron was on the call earlier, um, but that's how that show will go. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming and uh, for, for giving these picks. 
And uh, same for you, Grant. When, whenever you all need to drop, please feel free. Um, and uh, I, I'm not sure. Grant, and, Grant else... and I should start a collector DAO because if we have the same picks, I think we should pool our uh, social and financial capital to go hard behind these picks. This is funny because my pick was is Nat also. <laughs> uh, I have some. His collection Bardez was the first one that came on my radar, and everyone should go check that out on uh, Tezos. I actually have a couple of prints in that set at the framers right now, and I'm so excited to get them back. Um, for artist of the year, that's, I can't really, I can't do it. I can't choose, but the, I think while, while Grant's here, we might as well cheer him on because, you know, the work is so sort of self-aware and uh, clever and story, you know, it's just got, and you as, you know, just like a charismatic young guy that really understands crypto culture so natively um it's been a pleasure to see go and like just you have very very bright future amazing thank you cantino i i love those picks uh well nat i i gotta look more into nat now it's just like coming up way more than i expected but this is why i these are so fun uh bonafide han who do you have for breakout and artist of the year um uh, the uh so mine are probably going to be categories uh uh, the the breakout artist, I think, kind of just echoes what I was thinking before, which uh, I, I'm going to select uh, probably a non-traditional. So it's Dolly as the the breakout artist. Um, it is the and then uh, the the artist of the year. I want to kind of give it as a category for 2023. Um, as I mentioned before, about living art that that requires a lot of interaction, uh, really pushes the boundaries of what's possible with art that's producing crypto as a medium. Um, I think there's going to be a category of artists that are going to push this direction. And uh, I think uh, it, it will be incredible to see the kinds of experiments that people create um, uh along this line so i think it's this category of uh, uh what i'm calling like living art uh uh the artists I, I know it's like i know it's an incomplete answer <laughs> but um uh absolutely not absolutely this is this is the great part of it is we bring different perspectives and it stimulates all of our thoughts so i really really appreciate those i was also thinking about Botto as one of my breakout artists uh which is not exactly dolly but similarly ai um so, Sophia, who do you have as a breakout and then artist of the year? Okay, so I need you to know how hard um, this was because I have like a list of like 10 artists that I want to talk about. Um, so I'm going to just take it down to two. I just have to say two. Um, and these are artists that have full-on practices, um, have been minting for a while. But I do believe that this year people just are well poised to fully understand their practice a lot more and appreciate it. Um, you know, as collectors. So first one, Sasha Styles, um, AI poet. She is absolutely phenomenal. Um, same with um, Maya Mann. I think when Maya Mann first came out onto the generative art uh, scene through her Artbox project, she was widely misunderstood. And uh, I think people have now like kind of had the, uh, you know, that, that shock of her aesthetic and her take and uh, can now just appreciate her and her and, you know, what she's 
um, commenting on through her work. So those are two that I'm really excited to see uh, how they are working this year and uh, kind of the, the reaction from collectors. I'm very, very excited. And then uh, for artist prediction, I am going to run with your predictions, um, of course, uh, Lars Vonder and Martin Grasser. Um, I can't not, uh, you know, highlight and, and celebrate, um, you know, all the work they've been doing and just seeing the response from uh, the community over the last few months has been incredible, just like so incredible. And I have um, high hopes for, for the rest of the year. And just two artists that I feel compelled to, and in neither category, but just kind of highlight, um, Andreas Gizian and um, Marcel Schwitlik are two artists that I just always find being just so impressed by and, um, you know, wanting to support them in, in any capacity. They're, you know, it's just so refreshing to see how they work. Marcel on the plotter, um, Andreas just with like his like gritty, like aesthetic. I am just like so, so obsessed. Um, so yeah, just, <laughs> I know you asked for two, I gave you six uh, but there we go <laughs> i i asked for two but i actually wanted six so so i appreciate that for sure and then uh cypher do you uh have any or what are your picks i'm sorry for breakout artist and artist of the year so so both of my picks are tez based artists predominantly um which i think is quite fitting because tezos seems to be a breeding ground for for up-and-coming artists um, so my breakout artist choice was a was an artist called Walter Missler, and probably not very well known um, for good reason. Well, not for good reason, rather. But he's um, he's he's a sixteen year old guy based in in Holland, and he basically has been on some days he was producing a collection every day. And um, to be honest, like every single day he was producing stuff of of extremely high quality, and it's only gone from from strength to strength. And so I just I know that this guy is going to be massive at some stage. So if you if you don't follow him already, I, I highly recommend that you do. And, um, and my artist of the year would be Peter Pasma. Just I I, I really just find his stuff incredible, um, both from an, an artistic standpoint and also just in terms of how he's able to generate that stuff from from so little code. Um, I'm a, I'm a non coder, but even I can appreciate the the technical complexity around achieving that. So he would be my artist, even though he's quite well established already. I think, I think 2023 is going to be his year. Wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, Seth had to drop a, a big thanks to him. We'll, we'll tell him. Thank you. And uh, Grant, I, I know you, you said you had to run. Uh, if you need to go, please go ahead. If you want to up uh, oh, there, Grant's going to thank you, everybody. Uh, give a big thanks to Grant as well. Uh, for joining and, and making the time really appreciate it he's going back to see patients so he, he's got a real good excuse to to leave <laughs> not that he needs one uh james what are your picks for breakout artists and artists yeah so oh my god like all the answers have been so good and i could easily see any of them <laughs> but i'll go with two that haven't been mentioned yet so amy goodchild uh great gen of artists mainly on tezos Really wonderful sense of color. Um, really some interesting, unique and novel ways of generating artwork that she's been sharing and really looking forward to seeing what she's gonna come up with this year. And then for Artist of the Year, I'm actually surprised no one mentioned this person, but Melissa Wiederecht, uh, her like work yes. in progress is <sighs> amazing. Like I'm so stoked on what she's doing and she's been sharing works in progress and they just like, you could just tell the there's so much emergence that's going to come out of that project. And she's another person who's implementing like 
texture and form in a way that just feels very organic. Um, I know she has a really good work ethic and is really, um, I think, uh, versed in some of the more esoteric and difficult things you can do in generative art. So put it all together. I think she's going to have a great 2023. Thank you so much for saying uh, Melissa, because she was like, like, I was thinking about her while we were all talking and it, it didn't come out. So thank you so much because I cannot be in, in agreement more. She's, she's incredible, honestly. Yeah, and, and James, thank you for saying it. Cause I feel like I just been doped and all over uh, Melissa. I just picked up some of her work. I just absolutely feel like it's a name that comes up every single time I open my mouth. Yeah. Melissa is fantastic. And I uh, just wanted to also say a, a big thanks to Bonafide Han who had to drop um, appreciate him coming on and uh, yes I, I love those picks I don't know Amy so I'm so glad you said it, James and Melissa we are huge fans both Jay Paws and I Jay Paws who are your picks for breakout artist and artist of the year so breakout artist I have Lars Wander I just think what's going on um, in the just the, the composition the color the the way the the community's embraced Lars it, it just it seems like a no-brainer it seems like that proverbial snowball that we all talk about is just picking up momentum and it will be an undeniable force here shortly. And then for artist of the year, I actually have somewhat of a non-answer. Um, I think that it's going to be, I put it down as a TBD, meaning I, I, I look back at some of the biggest surprises or even looking at, um, you know, our award show for 2022 with Mapon kind of taking the, the main stage there. I feel like, the artist of the year is going to be somebody who is going to have a release. My prediction, a little bit of, but to resonate what what Cipher said, would be on FX Hash. I think you'll see an FX Hash artist come up, what feels like quote unquote come out of the blue and just have this meteoric rise. Uh, I'm not smart enough to tell you guys who it is, but my my gut just tells me that it's going to be somebody who's not on our radar and just comes out of the blue. Oh, Jay Paws. Jay, I thought you were going to pick one. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I like that, and I agree. This is an extremely hard question, so uh, it, it's very difficult to say. Um, I will go with my picks to close it out for Breakout Artist. Uh, I went with two again. Uh, so these were my runner-ups for Artist of the Year, but I chose Martin Grosser and Lars Wander as both Breakout Artists. I think that you know Sophia's done a fantastic job kind of shepherding them through the process and everything that they come out with is just so clean. Uh, I was originally only going to say Martin, but then I saw Lars is works in progress online and they're just amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we just haven't, they haven't been unleashed yet. And it's, it's uh, probably going to come this year. And I will say, Sophia, I know you don't uh, necessarily love the idea of a thousand piece collection, but I do think if these guys could release like a thousand piece, really awesome generative, collection that would be just the like uh, you know a, a bow on already a, a beautiful portfolio but i i will digress on that part i'm, I'm more of the, no. the long form uh consider consider, considered um but i also have to big, give a just a big shout out to um the team too so like tony marinera and um I guess I'll go with Ball's Life. Uh, they've done a lot of work behind the scenes working with uh, Marty and and uh, Lars as well. So, you know, it's it's a whole uh, team effort really, you know, behind the scenes making it work. And obviously the artists uh, themselves, they're just angels to work with and they're so talented and so um, 
just so ready and eager to to get their best work out there. So it, it's been really cool to see uh, the response as a whole. And so like on their behalf, thank you. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, and a shout out to Cantino who had to who had to drop as well. But we really appreciate him coming. And my artist of the year, I went with Harvey Rayner. I think I just have been really enamored with his work and his approach. And it's not just his art, but Harvey is also really, really fantastic in thinking about how to engage the community and really does well by his collectors. And I'm excited for the development and what else, whatever else he has to come this year. So he is my prediction for artist of the year. So we have one last uh, category that we skipped over that I would love to circle back. Sophia, Cypher, James, uh, please feel free to stick around as long as you can, uh, or as long as you'd like, I should say. Um, but we'll start with you all. Comeback Collection. Cypher, who do you, what did you have for the Comeback Collection? Well, I mean, I did pick a collection, but I think it's, it's more Comeback Artist. And, it's, and I'm going to butcher the name because I think everyone butchers the name. It's um, Sven Bilder. Um, who you know has has a number of really good collections. I I I think Geyer was or Gyre, I don't know how you pronounce it, was probably one of the collections that blew my mind when I first saw it. And if you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend that you do. Um, I would pick that as my comeback collection. I think it's it's so underrated. At one point it was it was it was definitely getting a lot of attention, but has since seemed to disappear. But I think just generally him as an artist, I know that he's gone through a lot um, personally. So I'd love to see him make a, a good comeback. Uh, so it's more an artist rather than a, a collection. Love it, love it. And I'm a huge fan of his work. Uh, I'm a collector of Aivas. I compulsively collected them because I loved it. So I really enjoy that pick. Sophia, who do you have? Or sorry, what do you have as the comeback collection or whichever ones you, you chose? Um, well, I think just on the subject of Martin, it's been really um, amazing to see just the response to squares lately. Um, that's been really cool, just getting a lot of, um, you know, a, just a lot more attention than, than I think we were um, initially just expecting as a whole. So uh, that's been a really cool, a really cool one. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another one. Uh, I mean, I... Same with uh, Fake It Till You Make It with Maya. That one was really awesome. Kind of, you know, it, it had this moment where it kind of got um, abandoned for a minute and then people just came back in, uh, you know, really um, excited uh, with it. So those are my my thoughts. That's awesome. I, I'm a fan of everything that's been mentioned so far. Just not enough Ethan Tez to go around. James, what are you thinking for the breakout or the, excuse me, the comeback collection? Yeah, so I will point out, Jared, I'm going to start sounding like you. I'm not a market guy here, but my thesis on this is watching Harvey and Photon's dream and the effect that Fontana had on that collection, that kind of created a snowball effect that brought forward like Photon's dream and got more eyes on it. So clicking around an article today, just browsing, I'm like, what's really good and what is that artist doing in 23 that I think is going to create the snowball effect for them. And I stumbled upon uh, Running Moon by Alicia He. And I know that she's going to be participating in Bright Moments Tokyo. Super excited what she's going to do with that. So my answer is Running Moon. I think she's incre another really incredibly talented artist, another 
hyper talented extremely dedicated literally has plotted i think like nearly 900 watercolor plots it's no one else does that it's she's a one of one there right and running moon is kind of that algorithm um that was deployed on Artblocks. really amazing project no idea how it's made that's always exciting to me and it's currently at 1.2 ETH, and I think it's going to be worth a lot more after we see what she comes up with this year. You know, that's a, a great pick. Such a beautiful collection. I also wanted to mention, if anybody is interested in coming up on stage just to chat, again, speakers, you're more than welcome to stay as long as you like. You know, P and I can just talk forever about generative art. So please stay on as long as you want, but also feel free to come up. I will say, uh, let's see here. P, what is your uh, comeback uh, collection? Because I'm no, super we, excited. We, we need ciphers. Oh, we, shit. We got ciphers comeback collection. My bad. <laughs> well, I'd, in full disclosure, I, I'm a pick a GM DAO studio project, so I, I kind of wanted to get to it before he did, but go for it, Cypher. Maybe you can beat me to it. I, I mean, I did give my my answer. With, That's what uh, I thought. With Gar, yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Please please bump uh, GM studio. Yeah, no, I, a, I'm a... I'm a major bull i really hope to pick up a couple more passes selfishly but the the comeback collection not that it ever fell out but i i think factor is going to have its spot in the uh in the sun this year it just to me is such an amazing collection it's held by really notable collectors and i, I still remember drop day when the level of fanaticism of people acquiring them you know all the way like the blueprints the diamonds it's just a, a collection um, that I feel has a lot of staying power, and with MV doing a drop that just got announced on Art Blocks, I I I think it's this incredible balance. Not to mention, you know, James put me on the spot here, but you know, I look at Article very very frequently, and and I just think it's poised for one heck of a year, personally speaking. P, what are you thinking? Absolutely, uh, and and my apologies, Cipher, juggling too many balls here. <laughs> I went with two actually i initially went with the screens by thomas lynn peterson i just love this collection and i think it's one a beautiful instance of a long-form generative art collection just done so well and you know it's it's seeing uh, some it had a lot of interest i think last year a little bit died down with the bear market i think it's going to come roaring back as a, really one of those like quintessential early art blocks curated collections and the other one i went with which is a little bit of a uh, off to the side is Paper Armada. I think this is a really interesting collection. It's by Chettle Golid, who did Archetype. It's around a little bit over 2,000 pieces, which is quite unique for some of those early art blocks works. And, and Chettle is just so good and like precise with his art. And uh, yeah, I, I think that one could really have a, a great comeback. So those were those were my two. Just to comment on, I guess, like OG, um, like curated projects, I think could... Um you know, have those resurgence. I would also say Apparitions by Aaron Penne and, um, oh, what was the second one? I just lost it. Um, subscapes. Um, I just feel like Subscapes, like there's, when Subscapes came around, I was like so floored by, uh, you know, the artwork and just how strong that algorithm was. And uh, sometimes I'm surprised that it, it doesn't get the same kind of uh, reverence as, uh, you know, people talk about fidenzas and ringers, but I really do look at apparitions in the in the same manner. Um, Matt is a master at what he does, and uh, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. Don't go telling everybody about subscapes quite yet. I haven't filled my bags. No, do you got your uh, your hand up? 
what are you thinking? Hey, what's up? Uh, what's up, Cypher? Good to see you. What's up, uh, all the all man? You guys at Collectors Corner, I gotta say, like I've, I have, uh, I, I'm just like absorbing as much content as possible. Uh, you guys are an amazing resource, and I'm also a little bit ticked off because I, 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 I have a, I have a collection offer on right now for screens, and this is not helping my cause. I've been looking at them forever. And uh, just haven't quite sniped one yet. I keep, I, I do a collection offer like once a week, and I think I'm just being too greedy. I might just have to snag one off the floor. Um, but uh, I recently picked up, in fact, yesterday, uh, it was a, a Bosque de Chapultepec by DCA. Uh, I got an offer accepted there, which is, I mean, this is embarrassing. Congrats. Thank you. I, it's so embarrassing. I, I, for whatever reason, it took me like, I mean, two years to connect the dots that like i remember seeing genesis by dca you know from day one of course and was like oh i don't know what dca is but that's cool and then like just this last like few weeks i'm realizing oh this is like it, he's an artist it's daniel you know and like he's got the, all these other amazing works and somehow all of it slipped through the cracks and uh you know found this this collection it's it's amazing but i will say i i don't know if i missed it and i apologize if someone's already mentioned this but MP Cause is my is my guy for a comeback. Uh, the Chimera collection I continue to maintain is like the most underrated uh, collection on Art Blocks. I think it's absolutely gorgeous, and uh, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just up in the night and I'm crazy, but I've always been confused as to why the the floor price hasn't just been way higher than it is. So, no, I'll be I'll be honest. Um, I used to you know, uh, I had some contract work with Art Blocks for a while and I used to be on their selection committee, kind of just like looking at everything that was coming into the pipeline. And the first time I saw Chimera, like I freaked out. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Eric, we were all freaking out. Like it was so beautiful and it was so different. Um, so you're right on the money with that. It was, it, it, it really did floor us. So um, I'm really happy to see that other people appreciate it in that manner because it was so impressive uh, the first time we like I ever got my eyes on it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great to hear. Yeah, the, thanks for the kind words, Noda. I really, really appreciate that, and, and we appreciate you supporting us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, MP Cause, Chimera, honestly, I think it, it might just be because it has such beautiful motion and you can't fully appreciate that in thumbnails. Uh, especially you know on open sea so i'm i'm hoping that changes quickly and don't worry about your screens you you got some time but you may have to be a bit more aggressive with those bids uh, like you were saying and I'm so happy to see you pick up a boat state like we love dca he's so awesome you got to try to meet him in person sometime and i wanted to just uh, super quickly say that i i pinned a tweet at the top we started a newsletter that we're really trying to help everybody stay on top of everything happening in the market. And sometimes a newsletter is nice because you're not distracted by 50 tweets on your, your timeline and it's just kind of email. So uh, it's there. Please sign up. Let us know if you like it and enjoy it. And I'm always trying to make that better. And um, I also wanted to say Mr. Tiger Pause, who came up, would love to hear your thoughts. And if anybody else in the crowd wants to hop on and you know, talk about their favorite artists, collections, whatever. We'd, we'd love to hear your picks. Please just uh, request or raise your hand. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you guys for giving me a chance to speak. Uh, how's everyone doing today? Doing great. How are you? Definitely amazing. So um, I definitely came came in here for, you know, definitely for the ability to, to connect, um, you know, because we're definitely a new project, uh, which is Swirls. 
And I just came in here to connect with other artists and, you know, just to kind of like bridge communities together. So um, I don't really see too many of these spaces, um, you know, because I'm definitely kind of new to the art world. So, you know, I just wanted to come up in here and introduce myself and kind of like follow these spaces so that, you know, even our project can kind of like get exposed in that way as well. And, you know, we can all you know, I'm just trying to be become a part of the ecosystem, but it's a li it's a little difficult because I'm really new to art. So I'm just up here to learn, and I just wanted to thank you guys for giving me a chance to come up. For sure, man. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being interested, and uh, just join our spaces. Follow these folks here. You'll get up to speed quickly, and uh, yeah, and everyone new is is welcome always. Uh, DeFi. Sorry, you raise your hand and come up. Uh, you have any picks or thoughts or anything you want to chat with these amazing guests up here about? Well, GM, firstly, I wanted to say amazing job. Uh, that was a really fun spaces to listen to. And I loved hearing what everyone had to say. Um, I guess I'll look at one of the categories. I mean, I guess we all know how big of a Lars Wander fan I am. So I'll go with my artist of the year as Lars Wander. I don't know if anyone saw me pick up a lion's walking the other day, but I was trying to get one of those for like ever and it finally worked out for me. So yeah, um, that's one of my picks. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, lion's walking is amazing. You, you got to get that plotted, man. I mean, that's, it was made for that. I, um, I actually, I got the print, the, the, I, I tracked down the previous owner with help from uh, some Grailers down members and, um, he's shipping it to me in canada so it was really nice dude it's cool to be a part of that journey and watch you uh not only get the the piece but then the physical that was awesome to see it's just like such a great story for the space and by the way node uh i may or may not have a a, a bid on this one from my my non-wallet but screen number 389 with an amazing uh history back to rudia just went up so I'm not telling you what to do, but this one is absolutely stunning. Oh, nice! I'm literally scrolling through screens as I'm as we're on this space right now, so I'm going to check that out. <laughs> and one thing I, I I also wanted to kind of just like shout out as we, we've been talking and we're talking about you know like breakthrough mediums and all this stuff in this uh, conversation around plotters. Um, this is just me being a stickler on, on things. I just kind of wanted to. Um, give a quick reminder that the first computer generated artwork was were plotter prints or were plotter works so we didn't have uh, desktops before uh, they were you know basically what these uh, engineers had in, in the 60s at the at the labs were plotter work so um, they're very much ingrained in the history of uh, generative art computer-based art and so um, it it makes sense that they're um, continue to be you know, appreciated and respected and there's that tangibility of them, but just wanted to, again, like highlight like these like first like generative art started, the generative art that we know definitely, uh, our algorithmic art as we know started off as, as plotters. So um, just wanted to throw that little fun fact out there just in case uh, anyone didn't, didn't know that. So just, yeah. Love Sophia. I was going to mention actually an internet rabbit hole that you can go down. A lot of people take, you know, they use Axidrolls these days. That's a modern plotter. But a lot of people use vintage plotters. And you can buy them off of eBay for maybe $200, $300. And they probably weigh about 50 pounds. And they're basically what existed before inkjet printers from the 80s. And it's remarkable how people get them to work with, like, modern generative art. And 
they have like these crazy pen turrets that like zip around and change colors and all. So if you start going down that rabbit hole, like it's so much fun. And before you know it, you're going to want to buy ones. No, they're, they're amazing. There's actually um, Marcel Schwitlick is coming out with a new project uh, with verse and the plotter that he's using, just the technique is so wild and it's definitely an old school plotter. So I'm excited for everyone to, to check it out. But I was so impressed when I got a little sneak, sneak peek of that. Uh, so yeah, uh, that, that's going to be a cool one. I'm excited for him to share more about it, but uh, totally on the same page, just like learning more about the old, old school um, plotters. Ooh, I can only imagine. I gotta, I gotta go check them out. Toss, what are you thinking here, buddy? What's Welcome the- up on stage, by the way. Thank you. Great show, guys. This has been fantastic. Uh, two things, and I, and I kind of hit on this last week, but my, my breakout artist, and, and I, I positioned in full disclosure my, my collection uh, accordingly, is uh, Florian Zumbrun. I, I think uh, with the Art Blocks drop coming, it's going to reinforce some of the work they've done on FX Hash that's just phenomenal um, with, with creatures and foundation and, and those. So I, I think that's, that's, that's my target for uh, breakout artists. Um, and then a random prediction, I don't know what category this would fall into. Uh, we, we, ca- we always talk about, you know, why is, you know, Tezos art, you know, a, a pretty distinct discount from Ethereum art. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had a lot of ideas there. But I think the, 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 the primary reason that we're seeing such a discrepancy is because, really, technically, you can't make offers without locking up your Tez. So I think my prediction for this year is that someone's going to unleash a wrapped Tez standard and that's going to be the catalyst to see that gap dramatically close between eth art and tezos art i sure as hell hope so that would help my uh tez collecting out a ton i mean you think about it i mean it's it's probably the number one reason why you don't why, why well you see a lot of art collections on on tezos after the first couple of weeks it drops they really taper off except for you know you know obviously the blue chip pieces but but it's it's really interesting because you know if, if if people could put the kind of offers they they could on the ETH chain on Tez, I think it would dramatically increase the floor prices of a lot of these collections. I think that's right. And another thing that might happen, I mean, I'm really interested to see what happens on FX Hash because as Sophia mentioned, they opened up payments with credit card and Apple Pay, which is amazing. And now they're going to be. I don't know exactly when they're going to launch their FX params. It was supposed to be in January, but I'm sure it's it's taken a while and it's complicated. But allowing those different collecting experiences. But I also think it would be awesome if there was some kind of a stable coin equivalent. I don't know what there is in the Tezos chain. I I think that if that happened, a lot more of that stuff would be priced in U.S. dollars than in Tezos, and that would eliminate some of the. I guess, concerns that folks have around the, the Tezos chain. Although we did a, an interview with AJ Bernie that hasn't come out yet, but he really addresses this a lot. And he's the founder of Tender.art and really is focused on the Tezos side of things. So, but those are fantastic picks. I mean, I, I really, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you coming up and, and sharing those. Hey, P, did you want to wrap and maybe give some of the original speakers some time to maybe... Uh, plug whatever they got going on in the space cypher i know we got a big drop coming up yeah yeah let's do that so we we can uh wrap it up soon because it's been an hour and a half so so thank you to everybody and would love to give our remaining speakers here the floor to just talk about anything you 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 would like what you're up to where folks can find you uh, other than twitter if, if you want to direct them elsewhere 
Sure, I can go first, given you gave me that that nice layup there. Um, I would have liked to talk about the the FX hash situation a bit more. That was quite an interesting topic, but in the interest of yeah, time. Yeah, actually, go ahead. Go ahead. If you, if you I mean, I, I agree to a certain extent, like the ability to make collection offers would would help drive up or at least help collections maintain their price. But I, I really don't think that's the underlying issue as to why there's this this discrepancy between Tezos and Ethereum. I think there's just more money on Ethereum. It's it's a much bigger ecosystem. It's not dependent purely on art to really sustain itself. It has other use cases, which obviously drive more liquidity into the system and that can naturally find its way to, to the art ecosystem. And there's also that layer of trust. I, I think Node has mentioned this a few times on, on some of his uh, spaces that you know, there isn't a huge amount of trust in, in Tezos overall as a chain. And so I think that scares a lot of collectors off in the first place where they feel like that there isn't the same, there is an actual systemic risk to Tezos that it couldn't exist and that it might not exist in the next five to 10 years, which isn't can't really be said, or that argument isn't as true with Ethereum. And I think that as there are more established blue chips on Tezos, I think that fear and that reluctance to collect from more established collectors is, is starting to dwindle and, and to wane somewhat, but it's still definitely there. But um, but that that it, I mean, the point around collection offers is it makes a good point around some of the inefficiencies and and things that are lacking on Tezos more as a as a chain as opposed to like the art itself. I was just going to jump yeah. in and say, uh, from the artist's perspective, I feel like Tezos is, it's awesome because it's more of like a, a fun kind of playground where it's, I think, less formal and serious. And it reminds me of like Hickenhook, right? Where it's like deeply experimental. You could put it out there. And as an artist, as you start to like build up your identity, it becomes a little harder to take risks. And that's one opportunity I think you still get when you work on Tezos because you can, you know, put stuff out there and put out multiple collections and tweak the sizes yourself. And like, I think that's one of the the really interesting things about it. And I have one collection out there on FX Ash, and I wish I had more because uh, it's just a lot different and a lot more casual and a lot more fun. And it's really easy to collect and support your fellow artists too. And I really love that aspect of it as well. That could be a double-edged sword though, right? I mean, I think the the nature of FX hash is very experimental and artists will often release things quite, uh, I would say prematurely sometimes. So you have a really strong underlying concept, which I felt, I feel that sometimes that if it was to be launched on ETH, it, they probably would have spent a bit more time to really flesh it out and to, to fine tune the algorithm. Whereas I think there's less pressure on FX hash to, to really do that because it is seen as that playground and it is kind of seen just a place where you can share work in progresses and stuff. So, so I kind of wish sometimes that it was a bit harder to release stuff on FX hash, because I think that would, that would make artists like maybe just spend a little bit more time on refining the algorithm before just publishing it. I don't yeah. know if that's a hot take or not. No, that's a good point. I mean, I think you can certainly go to artist profiles and you'll see a progression to like, where they started versus where they're at. Whereas on ETH, typically it's condensed into one project that maybe took three times as long, right? So you're, you're certainly right about that. And from the collector's perspective, I don't know. Um, I think, you know, seeing the origins of things could be good and bad. Uh, 
it really depends where you end up. And I think on both chains, that's the, the end goal is visible there, right? So, so I don't know. No, th- th- this is a great conversation. I think that this question of like, do you treat it as a playground, and when do you, you know, stop treating it as a playground is an interesting one. I think it is fantastic to have that. But you know, I think one thing that artists can do as well if they're truly in playground mode is to have like an uh, anonymous wallet to to play around with and i know that doesn't really accrue value to your name as much but that is perhaps another uh, mechanism or an outlet for that as fx hash continues to get taken more and more seriously is more than just the playground which uh, i think most of the folks up here feel that it is more than that at the moment uh nooch Oh, actually, actually, Tib, I think you might have been up first. Uh, Tib and then Nooch, please go ahead. Uh, yeah, just to, to to very very shortly touch on um, on FX Hash. Like, I really really love the platform. I think it's um, it's very fun and a, a very affordable way for for people to jump into collecting generative art. But one of my biggest pet peeves with FX Hash is that um, the algorithms aren't stored on chain, and that's something that I think every um, like every generative art platform on Ethereum does right now. It's like, you know, the algorithm is on chain, so you can always kind of get your art back. And it's one of the reasons that I'm personally, I think, spending less on, on Tezos and FX Hash specifically um, because the art isn't isn't on chain uh, entirely. No, yeah, that's that's a fantastic point. And, and there are ways to kind of secure those those files for yourself, but having that default, I think, would certainly help uh nucci how are you my friend good it's been a great space i'm actually i just realized i'm running late to a meeting so i'll make this super fast but um i know uh cypher just said something about uh making it more expensive on fx hash and i was curious um what is the cost i assume cypher will probably know this but anyone who knows this please hop in um what is the cost to launch um a generative project on ethereum um and does it vary at all depending on like the complexity of the algorithm and uh also great space guys really been enjoying it I could take that one as someone who did this recently. Uh, and I could tell you a little history about it too. So it used to be really tremendously expensive and many thousands of dollars to actually deploy artwork on chain. Um, and my favorite story about it is I think there's one artist who deployed a project that was around a megabyte, something like that. And I think it was like tens of thousands of dollars. I won't, I won't say who it is, but if you go on Artblocks, you could probably click around and start to try to figure it out. But they were like embedding graphics in the algorithm. And obviously, like a megabyte image isn't that uncommon, but a megabyte of JavaScript on chain, like it's huge. So it used to be tremendously expensive. But when I did Ori, I think I spent around five or six hundred dollars mid-November. And Artblocks updated their contract so it was less expensive, which was great. Except for I think I had a bug in it and I had to uh make a last minute change and like re-upload it. So ultimately it was probably closer to like a thousand dollars. So it's, it's the gas fees, right? And you have to um, upload your project in 10 kilobyte increments. Ori was, I think around six or seven pieces of 10 kilobyte chunks of code. So it's like really fun when you have to take your code and minify it, break it apart, then upload it one at a time. And then you're just doing transactions. So the project I mentioned earlier that was very expensive, I think had like 30 or 40 individual transactions, which is just bonkers. Wow. Yeah. That's super interesting. And I guess like contrasting that with FX hash, is it, is it just like negligible? 
Yeah, with Tezos, it's super cheap. That's kind of like that low barrier to entry, I think, is really beneficial in that regard. Because, yeah, you could have, you know, $5 in your Temple wallet and be good to go. You got it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, J-Paws had to drop, as did Sophia. They both send their regards and their thanks. And I I really appreciate this conversation. I think that we're going to have to call it, though, because... Uh, Jay Paul's and I got to go work on our weekly episode now in advance, but thank you everybody for coming out and sharing all these great artists, all these great collections, all your thoughts on the space and trends. Amazing mindshare and really a special thanks to, to our guests, uh, Cypher still here, James Merrill. We had Bonafide Han from DECA. We had uh, Grant Yoon. We had, uh, I mentioned Sophia, Chris Cantino, Seth Goldstein from Bright Moment. So, so thank you to everybody again. We'll have this out in a recording. We'll have a tweet thread with some of these picks, so y'all can review them and, and go and collect. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll be doing this again next year and every week. We have spaces. Follow us. We just love this space. Love talking about it. Love interacting with the community. And uh, we we love you all. So thank you again. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.